guys and girls, and welcome to episode 174 of the F Reality Podcast. Gather round for a big VR group hug and snuggle in tight as we discuss this week's top VR news. We're going to be talking about Gorn finally coming to Oculus Quest. I give you the lowdown on Oculus Quest multi-user accounts and app sharing. We have a new VR headset purely designed for social VR called the Uni, and we'll give you our best VR picks from CES 2021. To round up the show, Zim has got some new releases for you to look forward to next week. But for now, let me introduce you to the team and find out what's been the highlight of the week this week. Also, let us know what you played in the chat so we can read out some of your highlights too. First up, they say in space, no one can hear you scream. I've heard this guy scream in space more times than I can count. It's VR Screamer, ZimTalk5. <laughs> How you doing, dude? You right? <laughs> I actually, yeah, I guess I, uh, I kind of, uh, <clears throat> with a little tweet video this week, I kind of, I kind of stuck, uh, stuck true to my roots uh, with that. I've been watching a lot of horror films lately, so I felt inspired and did a little thing from, you got to see the inside of Zim's closet which I don't think anyone's ever seen before. So there you go. Any uh, horror recommendations? Oh, God. After um, your last ones with, what was it, Midsummer, And I, I'm dubious about checking these out, but go yeah, on. Yeah, there's, there's one perfect for you influ influencers out there um, on Netflix, and I'll reference this later um, in something I bring up. Spree on Netflix. I would recommend <laughs> that. This. Rideshare one. You've seen that one, Mike? Yeah, what would you think I've of that? Yeah, I thought it's it was on, pretty... is, I've seen it as well, but is it on, is it on Netflix as well? Because it's uh, on Netflix I thought it was for free only... now, yeah. Yeah, for free. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where'd you see it, Rowdy? Just in the blue. Oh, I don't. I don't even remember where I saw it. I think. Can it be in Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. there. Good. Well, good one. Anyway, so it's a nice. It's kind of like a comedy slash horror film um, targeted on influencers and stuff. So Spree was good. Yeah, it's pretty well done. Good. Good week. Uh, good week. Sorry for the slight late start here today. Um, as you can see, we've got a special guest on as well. It wasn't his fault. It was something else. Um, and you might know uh, we've got a little bit of crunchy mic with us. We tried uh, We tried to get rid of that, but if you're hearing that on the live stream, <laughs> those of you, well, you've met him before. You've met crunchy Mike before. You're going to have to put up with it today. So it is what it is. <laughs> blame um, Zoom. Blame Zoom. Exactly. Blame Zoom. Um, my week was uh, was pretty good. I think from a highlights perspective, I would I probably would have to just call out uh, two 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 short things. So I played Squadrons again. I got to fly in the new the new fighters and stuff, and that was that was that was loads of fun. Um, actually, the new bomber, um, I, guess, I guess it's a bomber or a support class ship, is really sweet to fly in. Great cockpit, good visibility and stuff. So if, if anyone hasn't caught the latest Squadrons patch, go back and, and take care of that. And then the second thing I. Um, I got a chance to play, although I haven't finished it yet. It's just like a 30-minute little like VR animated film called Battle Scar uh, on on Oculus Quest, which is which is really cool. Uh, if you're into music, there's not a lot that we've gotten so far that's into punk. I'll cover this in releases a little bit later, so I'll stay shy on the details for now. Uh, but I found that to be really nice, and it's another one from uh, this publisher called Atlas V who've done some amazing uh, other titles. Um, so between those two, I've had fun. A little bit light on the VR gaming this week. 2021 has still beaten me up, but um, I'm kind of getting excited for it now. So CES and talking about all that should uh, should light our fires again. Nice. <laughs> You're warming yourself up. Yeah. yeah. Well, apologies for my mic throughout the stream. I don't know what it is. We've tried to fix it. It is definitely uh, internet related. It's not local doesn't appear in my local recording so that we tried to fix it before the stream that's why we were late it's my fault so apologies if it's bad but there's not much i don't think i can do really live um but anyway let's roll with it let's see what happens uh next up this guy uh when he gets angry you know you're in for trouble he loves to smash things up 
and you just know that this guy has a Gorn Hub premium account. It's the one and only <laughs> Rowdy VR. How you doing, dude? I'm I'm doing fine, dude. Like uh, indeed, like my, my Gorn Hub premium still hasn't hasn't expired, so uh, Good to hear. I pro I, I, pro <laughs> I probably have to dive back into that game one time. Uh, but no, I've been I've been great. Uh, I think my highlight of the week has been. Um, Last Sunday, when I joined uh, the Lonely Viper and Simply Chris on a on a stream of uh, Pavlov, mm -hmm. um, good things and bad things happened. Uh, I'll start with the bad things. Uh, we we kept on getting joined in lobbies with people who were, you know, like you know, like those team killers. You know, like they they keep on like spawning mm -hmm. and they're just dropping grenades and, and like there, there's a problem with with the with the kick system in Pavlov. Up until like everyone agrees up to to kick something or to to kick someone. Um, before that point, like the person doesn't get removed from it, which is kind of annoying since if you have like eight or nine people voting, then sometimes it's like the, the American the person... voting system, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you still don't get them out, which is which is really annoying, and um, the, the karma system is not really in place there. And I, and I just hope that you know with you know future updates they can probably address that. But I got to try like uh, the new update very extensively. Um, mm. I don't know how any anyone got anything done during World War II driving around in those tanks because bloody heck, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's so hard to be driving around because you have these like levers that like steer forward and backwards and, and you need to, you know, use like different kind of movements in order to operate the tank. It took me a while uh, to figure it out. I partly blame Chris for that because he was shouting in my ear the entire time, what are you doing, Rowdy? Get your act together. <laughs> so um, that that was fun, uh, and then the weapons. Uh, I think they're just brilliant. You know that the entire World War II vibe is um, mm. works really, really well. Uh, I still like the game a lot. I know that the Lonely Viper is not the biggest fan of Pavlov, um, but I, I do like it. It's 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 more of a, I would say like a more like chill kind of shooter game rather than like the, you know the the, the really tactical things that we have with with Onward and to a certain extent with Contractors as well. Um, it's just fun. Like yeah. I like that. The most important question I have is like, did they nail the the ping of the M1 Garand when the the the, the sort of clip <laughs> pings out? Because they didn't they didn't get that right in yeah. Middle of Honor uh, at first. But I think they, they still don't have it right. So, Even after they their fix, it. they didn't. No. Yeah, it's louder, but it's still not good. It's still not. It's not. It's not enough, in my opinion. It's not satisfying no. enough. No. Yeah, it's just not. It's so many games have gotten that right. Like uh, Battlefield used to have a great right. ping. Is it actually they got it right or they got exaggerated so it feels cool? I, I don't know. I'm not I a good think, I think Mike wants it more, to hear it more, right? Yeah, that, I want to hear it more. No, yeah, yeah. but like I, want to hear more. I know that it was noisy because there was something that they were comp uh, like they were using actually the Germans to know when they were like reloading the right weapons because they get a ping and so like okay now it's time we shoot. I know yeah. that that was a thing. But uh, so it was a problem. But was that loud or like I don't know? It's quite loud. It's like, cool if you when watch it's YouTube loud. Videos of it, like it's pretty loud. So hopefully they, okay, okay. they got it. They got it in the game right. Uh, I think yeah. I think that the sound design in Pavlov is is you know has always been quite quite well done. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that the major improvement here has been like the visuals. The visuals now look absolutely stunning. And particular some kind of maps like you know like the office kind of map. It's. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks absolutely gorgeous now with those like uh, you know with those like scenes in the city now that you can see it's it's the visuals have been improved a lot. Nice. I wonder when this game is eventually going to release on Quest because it's been available on SideQuest for a, a while now, uh, but I guess like it, development still taking some time. Um, 
but yeah, it's a quality game. I, have, I still haven't tried out the new update, but I'm definitely Same. looking forward to uh, uh, to getting into it. So eager, and yeah, those yeah. tanks, the tank commands, uh, the controls are totally bonkers. But that's how real tank controls are. Like, it's not easy. It's like learning to fly a chopper is really hard. Learning to drive a tank is hard, you know? <laughs> it's not easy. But can you imagine if you were one of these people who was like recruited at the age of, I don't know, 20, yeah. sent off to war and told to steer one of these things? Like, yeah. My God! Can, at least yeah, you didn't even have a driving needs. license, but they were giving you a tank to control. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, missed those times. Go check out the World War II update from Pavlov. Uh, so next up, standing in for Nathy this week, it's the Italian stallion of VR. The main man when it comes to VR and AR tech on YouTube is, of course, Tyrion Wood, good friend of the show. How you doing, dude? You all right? Hey, hey! Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always an honor. Uh, it's great to, to talk with you guys. Uh, I'm sorry I'm taking the the native spot, but it's having fun in holidays, so good vacations. <laughs> uh, That's true. So yeah, uh, super excited. Uh, this uh, this week was uh, pretty busy. I was mm-hmm. in uh, in a virtual Las Vegas uh, on the, on the <laughs> <Wow>. website <laughs> for like entire week, like uh, checking oh, out right. like yeah, a yeah. CS yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, like. Uh, it's kind of a bit disappointing, right? Because yes. like I feel I feel like and we're we're gonna touch into this more later on, but I feel like a lot of the stuff that was announced isn't like any there isn't any consumer ready stuff, so it's nothing that's really gonna be on the horizon anytime soon. So exactly. it's kind of all stuff that's kind of on the back burner being yeah, developed. It, right it's now. nice to see like new tech uh, being developed, like uh, companies pushing on different stuff that we we don't have yet. Uh, but yeah, there was nothing to say like, okay, from tomorrow I can buy it, from tomorrow uh, I can look forward to it and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. it was a little particular. And I'm still waiting for the moment when we can actually attend like like in VR a conference. Like that is my yeah. dream because this year, last year and this year as well, we learned that it's, like we are going to have to find ways to to also be able to do stuff like remotely. And yeah. uh, CS like really felt like being in front of YouTube an entire day. Like it mm-hmm. was uh, look for the a little more complicated. Just look for like the video that you're interested in and stuff. And then the only difference is like you have the context there and, uh, as well. Uh, but it will be super cool to actually like walk with the tech we have right now. It's completely yeah. possible to be able to walk in a virtual environment and having people presenting like the thing. You know, like if you consider VR chat, if you consider Outspace VR, you can even recruit. Like you, you can attend even if you don't have a VR headset. So mm-hmm. it would be much more engaging, I think, to have like talk with somebody, be able to meet, and then like actually, you know, have a yeah a, a real contact, physical contact, even if it's not physical with somebody. So I, I feel like uh, it's always like a kind of miss opportunity lately uh, with mm-hmm. this. Um, but uh, let's face it, we are not mainstream yet, so uh, that's probably the problem. But the one, uh, the on one E3, there is... was an application that was super cool uh, to to attend E3 uh, in a game. There was like actually a shooter. I don't remember who made that. The guys from... Uh, um, did you guys try that application? Because actually Nate told me about it. And no. so I tried that game and they recreated the entire E3 pavilion 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you could go through the stands and stuff and see all their new games. Oh, um, it was a Devolver like Digital one, wasn't it? I do remember now. I can't remember who, who what it was called. Yes, though, yes. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. exactly what it was, uh, but yeah, that was, was pretty cool. small. It would be yeah. super cool to have something like that in VR, you know? It would yeah. be amazing. It's that, it's that scale, that like network code limiter that you seem to have. Like they don't do large scale, like hundreds and hundreds of users in a virtual environment right now very well. They can do no. the... 40, 50 instances on a on a box, you know? No, exactly. On a Blade server, fine. And that's great. But the instancing doesn't capture the same feeling of like a big crowd, like yeah. a large music event, a large convention hall. And there's something about that feckin' energy that's just infectious. Like oh, the, yeah, totally, yeah. When you feel, you feel like the energy, it's like electricity, you know? And it doesn't matter if you don't know the people or whatever, you only end up talking to a couple of them. You still get this vibe, that hum. And then like when there's a big announcement or a big release, it's great. Provided it's not Diablo on mobile or something, then that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it's like something to really be excited about. Yeah, you know, it's but, a real human experience. And they haven't been able to capture that yet, probably. I have to say though, I have a I had an epiphany like uh when the I was at a at a Microsoft event in a, on Altspace and uh in an HoloLens event. And we were like, yes, instances of like 40 people, each one, each mm-hmm. group. Uh, but then after the event, they open like a, a big room for like people just chill and connect to each other. And, uh, and uh, then I moved to that room and I saw like people like uh, starting to assemble like in groups like of six people you know at the end like that's how it works like uh, yeah. oh what you do what you do and then you're like six eight people and that's enough mm-hmm. and uh and like all small group talking with each other and and then i was like wow this works like i actually felt like i was at, after an event you know the event didn't feel like uh that right if i like i like you said i completely mm-hmm. agree but the after event, when you actually start to connect and talk with people, that was perfection. And I was like, wow, this, this is like, it, yeah. this can be the future. So, And Altspace looks way better now as well than it did before. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I suppose at least, you know, it saved your wallet a little bit. Going to Las Vegas can be quite uh, pricey, I hear. <laughs> Going to the <laughs> yes. old casinos, unless you've got the slot machines up on your desktop at the same time as well for the true CES experience. Um, but yeah, no, it's great to have you on the show, though. Obviously, if you're if you're in the chat and you're missing Nathy, he's uh, away on holiday at the moment. Um, he's just going somewhere local with his brother to uh, enjoy a bit of the countryside. Uh, and he's going to be away uh, this week and next week, but he'll be back after that if you miss him. So uh, that is what's going on with Nathy. Uh, let's see what the chat have been up to. Uh, have they been up to much? Anything that they've been sharing? Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, look. like um, the thing that I've been seeing a lot is that uh, people have been, play- been playing Doom 3 on Quest. Uh, so mm. Barack Dup has been playing Doom 3 on Quest. Uh, I saw that Paradise Decay also was playing Doom 3 and he also tried out Battlefront 2 in VR with Vorpex and he wanted to currently point uh, he wanted to point out that it's currently also free on the Epic Games Store. So if people haven't picked that one up yet, I surely do so because uh, you could try it out with Vorpex if you really want to do it in VR. Um, then we have Pete Shirey. He played uh, Brass ta- Tactics, Sword of Gura, and a Flat Gaming. He played as well. Uh, he played some Yakuza like a Dragon. Um, I saw Wata Yukuke. He played Squadrons together with Zim. Uh, nice. And the other Sunday Squad boys, uh, so uh, that was another one. Uh, Dash Dash, Warhammer, and Medal of Honor was Dave the Psycho. Uh, I saw people also playing Lambda, uh, Lambda 1. Yep. And wow. 
one person was asking, is that snow in the background? And yes, yeah. Yeah. that is. That is indeed a lot of snow that's <laughs> <is> dropping here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been playing a lot of different kinds of things, but I think the things that really got pointed out was that, you know, Doom 3, like we talked about last time, um, is, uh, is something that people have been enjoying this yeah, past week. Definitely. I still haven't tried that yet either. Um, I've had a pretty busy week. Um, I've been playing around with a shadow PC. Uh, I've kind of hinted at this on the show before where I've talked about, you know, being able to yeah. remotely play PC VR content uh, on your Quest 2 or Quest uh, from a cloud PC. Uh, and in my case, it was a cloud PC in a data center in Paris, uh, which is like 300 miles from me where I live near London. Um, and yeah, yeah. And it worked pretty well. Obviously, I, the one big concern I had was latency, but I was actually quite surprised that uh, I got it down uh, to like 50 to between sort of 50 and 90 milliseconds uh, playing remotely on that PC, which was totally playable. Uh, but I think what I'll do is I'll talk more about that uh, on an episode in the future where I can give it a bit more time yeah. and sort of talk about how I got that set up and stuff. Um, but other than that, I also tried uh, Battlescar, which uh, Zim mentioned, uh, and I also tried Baba Yaga, which both of them are kind of like short immersive VR stories. So if you like that kind of thing, definitely go and check those two out. They both launched on Quest this week. Um, I particularly enjoyed Baba Yaga only because um, it kind of was more interactive. You had some elements where you can actually interact with the story, so you feel more a part of it. And uh, also it had multiple endings as well, so it kind of encouraged you to play through it, uh, the ending a couple of times, which they do in a smart way. And also, I didn't realize this, but they actually have voice acting from uh, Kate Winslet, uh, Jennifer Hudson and uh, Daisy Ridley, uh, which is pretty incredible, really. Um, so, yeah, it's great to see that immersive VR storytelling is getting better and better. And they're really starting to, um, you know, leverage what VR has to offer uh, to make these experiences really, really nice. So if you like immersive storytelling, uh, definitely uh, go and check those two out. Yeah, I think that's um, a it's one of those things that VR does really well. And for people who are like standard odd gamers coming into VR, I feel like this is the part of like indie like Tribeca Film Festival films and you, you finally get a taste of that so I think your standard gamers first reaction will probably be like isn't that pricey to spend five ten fifteen pounds for a short relatively short experience but if you're looking for short and sweet and quite like artsy craftsy those things can be really neat and and well maybe not being so replayable you'd probably watch them a couple of times you'd be done um you know, if you have family to share with, especially with a portable device like a Quest, easy to pass it around, you know? Yeah. But I think that stuff is great. It really is for the artist, or like for the art connoisseur. And I mean that for yeah. people who like film or comic books or whatever else, because VR really does some special stuff with that. Yeah, and if, if you're looking for another excellent one, Wolves in the Walls is one of my favorites. Um, so definitely go check that out. Yeah. Um, so before like we get that. into the news this week, uh, I want to say thank you uh, to the sponsor of this week's podcast, and that is our good friends over at Synth Riders. They've sponsored the show before and they wanted to come back, so we welcome them with open arms. And if you're not familiar with Synth Riders, it's a unique VR rhythm game from Kluge Interactive. And what sets Synth Riders apart from other VR music rhythm games is that it encourages you to sort of freestyle dance and just kind of let loose and get into the music. And you can do this kind of solo on your own, or you can ride the rails with other people online in this excellent online multiplayer that they've got. Uh, they've just released their new uh, Essentials Pack 2 music pack, and that features three free tracks and five paid tracks, which include two tracks from Muse, which are The Dark Side and Algorithm. And I tried these out this morning, and Algorithm, they've done a fantastic job with that. It's like a, a completely unique environment that kind of evolves as you go through it. Uh, it's a really cool experience, so if you enjoy Synth Riders, I'd highly recommend uh, Algorithm, which is part of the Synth Riders Essential Pack 2. 
And if you want to check out Synth Riders, it's available now on Steam, Oculus Rift, and Quest, and links are in the description down below. So there you go. Thank you to them, our nice. sponsor. Um, so let's go get straight into yeah, the news absolutely. then. Um, the first bit of news this week is going to be great if you're looking to blow off a little steam in VR, as Gorn finally has a release date on the Oculus Quest. Now, after teasing a screenshot from the Quest version this week, the developers Free Lives announced the port, which is being handled by 24-bit games, will be launching in just a couple of weeks on the 28th of January. If you have no idea what Gorn is, it's basically like a fun gladiator simulator where you take on increasingly challenging waves of combatants in an arena with hilarious kind of <laughs> physics-based combat. You have like tons of different weapons. You have swords, hammers, uh, wolverine claws, maces, just to name a few. And you kind of uh, take down your opponents to please the bloodthirsty crowd uh, above the arena. It's a classic mm -hmm. VR title. Pretty much everyone's played it who's been into VR for a long time. Um, and probably destroyed something in their house as a result of playing it. Um, so what about you guys? Are you yeah. big uh, Gorn fans? Sure. Yeah, I, I actually, I remember playing this game before it even came to Steam when it came out on, on Itch, on Itch.io. Uh, that's yeah. the first time that I played it. Before it was this like huge hit. And I, I, I mean, back then I immediately fell in love with it, especially because we didn't have something like that in VR yet, where you had, you know, this like gladiator style kind of fight with this, this wacky, but kind of still like, you know, feel good physics. You know, it feels like you're actually hitting something and you need to put some power behind that, which I think, I think they developed it really well. Um, and then, you know, it just went from there, like that simple concept that just took it to the next level by adding these like weird kind of weapons and even weirder physics and, uh, you know the game is is great. I think it's a it's a fantastic kind of game, and I definitely destroyed quite a few things playing it. Uh, I know my light fixture, uh, that one got destroyed. Uh, I think I destroyed as well. Well, I mean my a, a controller probably as well. When I hit a wall, mm. I have a few dents from it in the wall as well. So. Um, Gorn's yeah. bloody dangerous. Gorn, Gorn is. <laughs> Gorn should come with a hazard warning. I mean, if there's a single title that's done. I think but they more do. Damage. They do. If you look at their Twitter they, feed, I believe they keep like a count of like how many TVs that they've already destroyed. Absolutely, <laughs> and it, it's it's like a graveyard. It's like a freaking graveyard. I I have a, a very unfortunate staircase in my my room because there's a staircase under my office, and and so it's just this kind of weird wooden step, and uh, I full force punched like straight down into that i literally thought my fist was broken for about three months God. never got an x-ray maybe it was broken i don't know but like this game is is absolutely dangerous i mean even if you're careful in your environment be care be careful with gorn this is what my twitter warning was about gorn is going to destroy something in your place and if you give it to a new player and they're like oh it's my first time in vr and i don't know what i'm doing they're gonna hurt something or somebody or themselves so just just be mindful. I mean, Gorn is loads of fun. I like that the fact that they've re redeveloped it and redesigned it, and they got a whole kind of tiered system, bunch of different game modes. Um, but I don't know if, if you're up for if you're up for like proper over the top gladiator action, then I think you can't do better than this. I mean, even just checking in that trailer, I didn't know that you could stab someone in the heart and pull their heart out. Like, oh, there's yeah. other stuff that you do, which is just, yeah, yeah. which is just evil, and the, and the fact that you're being goaded on by these like these robed gentlemen, you know, looking at you, looking down upon you as you're a gladiator, it's mad. And then they've got that. It's not even like Boneworks. I would say is janky physics, 
in Gorn, you've got like rubbery physics. It's, it's, it's intentionally. The weapons are all yeah. weirdly rubbery, but it right? works yeah. really well. It, it does. Really yeah, well. yeah, yeah. But like when you've got like a spear and you feel like it's like a warbly spear and you're like stabbing <laughs> people with it. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. mace has to be my favorite because. But like when you've got like three, four guys coming down at you, it can be quite an intense experience. It's not like an easy game. Oh, it's by a You're not just like going it's to town. It's a total workout. Total workout. I think yeah. my favorite is still like the giant hammer. Like mm. like a giant massive hammer. Like I love that one. And I think the other thing is because it's like a room scale, I think that's the problem. People just get lost in their room. And then because, like you say, the the, the, the combat is so intense, next thing you know, they're just smashing their like room to pieces. And that's exactly what they show in this original trailer. And I'd love them to remake that trailer on the quest, but I don't think Oculus would allow it. <laughs> because it kind of just does promote exactly what's going to happen. I know um, that the, the first time my dad played it and uh, he was like, you know, trying stuff out, but I, I didn't know he was already in the game. I thought he just put the headset on. He just flat out punched me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he did it on purpose. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it is a great excuse if you want yeah, to hit exactly. a loved one. You know, you just put Gorn on and be like, oh, I didn't see you there. I, uh, I did not say that. I did not say I, that. Dave, uh, on, go on. Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, say, oh. <laughs> say, Dave the Psycho asks, is it pure rim scale, uh, no locomotion? No, there is there is like artificial locomotion as well, so you don't have to rely on rim scale only. Uh, but go on, Terry, what was you going to say? <laughs> no, I, I was saying that, uh, like, um, with what Zib was saying, um, Gorn was like my game to give people to start in VR because, like, you don't have to explain much. You have just to blah, blah, blah. And then I did it for three times. And then they broke one of my controller. They punched the fridge. I have to give them uh, like a ice for an entire night when they were there, like friends there. And the second, uh, the other time again, like ice because they punched the wall. So I was like, okay, this is not for people to start. No. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, I literally, I literally was joking when I said that it would be the thing that you'd put someone like new in. Like I, I couldn't imagine someone doing that. The fact that you've done it and you learned that lesson. I find very, very comical. But please learn from T's bad, bad example. Bad example. No, but I have to say they, they all had super fun because this game is like ton of fun. You really get immersed. Like, a, you know, like there are many games where it's hard to get immersed still right mm. now in VR. Like you say, oh, yeah, I'm playing a video game. In Gorn, like your brain switches. Like you're completely like, OK, I'm in battle. <laughs> and then like something you break something so, so they yeah. had they had a lot of fun but they've got the scars to prove it and uh, yeah. the funny the funny thing is uh, d d1 360 v, uh, vr reminded me in the chat that there is a subreddit on reddit called vr to er <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's and, he, and he's right this is this is gonna spike with all these people playing gorn so all i'd say is Gorn is coming to the quest on the 28th of January. We'll remind you again in releases the week prior before it drops. But we're going to say just be careful playing this game because you're likely to hurt yourself or your wall. So make sure you get the boundary <laughs> system on and protect anything that's got have a lot any of fun value doing so, so. to it. Yeah, that's uh, within your reach. Yeah, the boundary so. system, like do one meter from the actual wall. So yeah, space, space it out. Yeah, yeah space Definitely. it out. You space know, this is like... The, the, the importance of the Guardian uh, or whatever boundary system you have on your VR headset is like it, you don't realize how well designed it is until you use an app that doesn't do a good job of it. There was a there's a like a side a side quest app called Custom Room Mapper on Quest. I remember you, you talking about this before. House. Yeah. But you have to disable the standard Guardian and then it's got its own Guardian. The problem with its Guardian is it has drift. 
So it means you map your entire room, and so it's got the perfect model of your room, and then your room starts to rotate oh, no. virtually, but your real room doesn't. And then you so the, wall, the place wall. where you think is a doorway is a wall, and you walk oh, into God. the wall or whatever. It's a, so, so <laughs> like the fact that the quest can so, <laughs> not just the quest, right? All the VR headsets, that they can do such a good job of following the boundary. That's important. The, yeah. the, the now, problem that I have with Gorn, though, is that, you know, as soon as I'm in battle, I see red and, you know, I, I don't see the blue guardian anymore. Everything is just red and I just walk and smash through everything. Yeah, <laughs> he described that really well. Mm. Uh, you know what? So, this is the perfect... Um, Mike, do you mind if I take an interlude before your next uh, sure. tale in the go weekly, uh, yeah, in the yeah, weekly news category? So we yours. said we might spice things up a little bit in stories from Reddit and stuff. So I've I've do dove back in, in time to bring you something from three years ago that I think uh, will be poignant to just... Especially for new users uh, to hear this right now. So, uh, from the Telegraph Agency of the Soviet Union. Um, <laughs> so since 1904... TASS, T-A-S-S, has been Russia's leading news agency. And for more, for more than 113 years, they've, TASS has ceaselessly strived to deliver the latest and most accurate news. From TASS to Reddit to PCGamer.com, an article written on December 22nd, 2017. According to preliminary information, while moving around the apartment in virtual reality glasses, the man tripped and crashed into a glass table suffered wounds, and died on the spot from a loss of blood, said Yulia Ivanova, senior assistant to the head of the Russian Investigative Committee's main Moscow department, according to TASS. The report does not include details about the type of VR headset the man was using or what he was using it for. He was 44 years old. This Moscow resident died after falling through a glass table wearing a VR headset. It's a story well, that I, many of us on this podcast true. have heard that's before. Actually true. Yeah. yeah, this is a true I, I, story. I, I didn't even and, know they had they had Gorn back there. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, <laughs> and three years ago, this happened. Now, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a VR Darwin Award since. But I do warn you, and I predicted this in, when we were talking about 2021, is that I think we're going to catch another one this year. So don't let it be you. I know that Russia's out front. And just like the old Russia versus the U.S. race to the moon, I'm sure the Americans are going to be just chomping at the bit, wanting to be the first one to die in VR for America. Don't let it be you. Uh, yeah, yeah. And if you're from another country, don't let it be you either. So, um, but you go. Right, let's do send in your submissions for the F Reality VR Darwin Award. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I remember, I remember vividly um, talking about that on the podcast because it was quite. It was the first person, like you say, to to die in VR, which was you know unusual in itself so i remember talking about yeah. it when it the news broke back then but yeah please 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 just be careful in in vr particularly but, with games like gorn because it mean, is just asking for trouble technically technically he didn't really die in vr unless he kept his headset on while he was you know on the ground there laying which i don't think he did i don't i do think that he he took his headset off after that so there we go. So. Uh, Be careful. Yeah, is, well, is all I'm going to say is rest line. in peace, man, who died first, so that all the rest of us don't. But um, yeah, I would I would caution Gorn. I would caution other games like Racket NX. I already had a casualty on my side. My dad bashed his yeah. hand up through that. So just be careful. Sporty games or combat games are, are some of the worst because like what Rowdy said and T just before him, you get into that frenzy of like, oh, I'm in a different world. And I'm totally safe. You're totally not. <laughs> Look after yourself. That's it. That was the spot. 
So, uh, next bit of news then. Let's get into this. Uh, this is uh, Oculus Quest multi-user accounts and app sharing. Now, this has been uh, announced a while ago. It was when Oculus first kind of introduced uh, the Facebook accounts uh, requirement. And they said sort of said this was coming. And this was kind of like a sweetener to that kind of like bitter pill that, you know, this was going to enable easier sharing of the headset. So this week in a developer post, uh, Oculus stated that these features will be rolling out next month and kind of explained in a bit more detail how they're going to work. So it can be a bit complicated, so you kind of pin your ears back a little bit. So firstly, multi-user accounts will allow the ability of multiple Facebook accounts to log into a single headset, which makes sense. And then on top of that, you have app sharing, which will allow the primary user of that headset to share apps with others on that shared device. So how this will work is that the primary account holder will be able to add up to th three secondary Facebook accounts to their device to share apps that they've purchased. Uh, game progress and achievements will be uh, saved separately for each account, which is pretty awesome. So no one's going to mess up your game save, which is great. So just to kind of like lay it down, for example, if Tyriel, Zim and Rowdy lived with me, uh, God forbid, uh, they could log into my quest with their own Facebook accounts and I could share my game library with them and they would all have their own game saves, which is pretty sweet. Uh, now, this is where things get a little bit more complicated. So secondary users, if you've logged into a primary user's account, will be able to purchase their own apps and games on the shared headset. However, these won't be available to the primary user. Okay. Um, that will just be tied to their own account. Um, app sharing in the future will allow the primary user to share apps with up to three other devices, but they will have to be the primary user on each device with secondary accounts added. Um, games currently on the store now will automatically opt in for, uh, for app sharing, but developers can opt out of this functionality if they wish. So that means that some multiplayer games might opt out of this functionality forcing households with multiple headsets to buy multiple copies of the same game to play together. Now, right now, if you have uh, multiple headsets in your house, multiple quests, you can log into those headsets using a single account and play some games that support like single account multiplayer. Uh, Walkabout Mini Golf is a good example of this, where you could have like four headsets in your household, all using one account, all playing online at the same time. However, if you opt into app sharing, this will no longer be available and you'll have to have a secondary account for each uh, headset. So this is like uh, Zim's like scenario because like you've, you've talked about this before, like account sharing and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. How do you see this? Do you see yourself enabling app sharing uh, to have like secondary accounts? Because the problem is if your secondary accounts are kids and they're not of the age of 13 and they can't create a Facebook account, then that in itself is problematic, right? Which is exactly your scenario. This this update, although we're now on the path to what I think is the right model, call mm -hmm. it the Steam, you know, app sharing model, I'm I'm very reluctant because the games that I enjoy multi-app sharing with are natively supported. It's not platform level. <clears throat> and like Walkabout Mini Golf. This, to an extent, challenges that or kind of mucks that up. So I will most likely hold off for a month or two mm -hmm. before I go into the realm of and wait for kind of the update to come. I want to see them do what they've said is coming, uh, which is this, you know, multi-device, uh, I'll call it app propagation feature, 
which I think is really helpful. Right now it's a little bit too confused because think about it this way. If you're currently, if you have headsets that are all a single user at the moment and you have this secondary account login, although it helps you, um, it, it you're, you're getting something and you're losing something. And so you have to answer for yourself, what are the main apps you're using? How are they affected by this? And then just draw that line. And before now, you didn't have that. You just don't have that feature. And then, so it's making this environment for app sharing convoluted. Yes. Uh, but I, I think we're on the right path. So I, agree. I do thank the developers for bringing this. I think right now it's not probably enticing enough to pull me away from the way I'm currently using the headsets. Uh, but I think we'll get there in a couple of months. So I'm yeah. going to be sitting in the waiting bucket personally. I think it it's mainly going to affect people with multiple headsets in their household that play with their family. I think they're going to be confused and unsure which way to go. If you're someone like me that just has like a single headset and, you know, you've, your wife wants to log in and play a game, then actually this functionality is very useful. Um, but like you say, in Zim situation, it's not so much. Yeah. This is I, the best. Uh, the best equivalent that I would mention is this is like these like a switch or a Netflix account level sharing. So it's like I don't want to have my wife, for example, you know, um, muck with my save file. Like for mm. example, my wife has said this to me. She's like, I don't want you to be, you know, um, using my account to play with the kids because they could mess with my Beat Saber scores. Yeah. And she wants to keep that virgin. So I think for anyone who's at that stage where it's like we're, sh we're sharing a single headset and we're playing a game or we're sharing multiple headsets to the where they're going next, it makes a lot of sense. If yeah. you don't have that and you just want to play multiplayer games together, for the moment, your best bet really is get two or X legitimate accounts, get them separate headsets right and, and play that way uh and if you're you know el el cheapo or you're playing with kids or something then you just have your primary account and multiple devices and you use that account across them but it's a quite a small number of games and apps which you can find on reddit by the way there's a great list there there is of games and apps that support multi-user account sharing yeah i think that the thing is like games like population one are very unlikely to allow uh, app sharing, you know, with multiple users in your household, I think that's going to be uh, they're going to be the ones that, that that opt out. And I think onward, uh, games like that potentially will be the same as well. But we'll just have to see because we don't know for sure which developers are opting in and which ones are opting out right now. Uh, also, it's worth noting that this is only going to be launched on Oculus Quest to st uh, Quest Two to start with, and then it will come to all other Quest owners uh, in the future. Oh. Um, so oh, that's yeah, an interesting feature. This is funny because we're starting to see we we first started to see devs pushing obviously their updates, making use of the new hardware. Now we're mm. seeing Oculus kind of uh, testbed features on on yep. Quest Two. I yep. wonder if that's because of the performance headroom needed. To, there's probably not much headroom needed. I don't on this, think I would so. Think I'm not sure. Save what it locally. Is. I don't yeah, think it's related to performance. In I don't think it's yeah. Like, so go on. You you can actually. Uh, do already uh, like kind of a like a multi account on the Quest uh, mm -hmm. using like the Google settings and stuff. And from my understanding, it works exactly like you described. So um, you have the primary account that has the, the account holder, so with all the the games and stuff. And then if you log in with another account, you can use the main account games, but the saves will be on your account. That's right. Now. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty much the same. 
Uh, now, the thing that I would like to see, though, is a, like a guest account. Why I can't have a guest account, but I have to have another account, you know? Like, uh, I don't want to use Facebook for, like, uh, if someone comes over, I don't want to ask them to, like, uh, to go on Facebook and uh, log in on my Facebook thing and stuff. I want them to, yeah. like, to click. Like, it's on the Xbox, like, it's on PlayStation and stuff. Mm. You click on the Create Guest. So the saves are going to go on the guest account and they're not going to use my saves on my games and stuff. And uh, I think, think that's going to be... happen, though. You really no, think that's realistic no, for it? I it think Facebook not. are not going to. And gonna... I think that it's, yeah. a, it, it's a big problem because yeah. you, we need something that, you know, like you, you don't always have people willing to give you like accounts. And that, why should I give you my Facebook account, to be honest, to like yeah. a friend that just to play a game, you know, mm. uh, it doesn't make sense. So. It makes sense to have just a guest. You create a guest account, blah, and uh, and uh, when you share your headset with somebody and stuff. If you have more headsets though uh, at home, uh, like we, I think we all do, yeah. Uh, like I I think like I I'm okay limiting a little because that would be like you know the devs are not getting money for the games, of course. Like mm-hmm. in a case like a population one, like it's okay to like. You know, I buy my game, you buy your game, and we play together. Like, instead, Rack Room is free. Everyone can play together no matter what. Um, but with Xbox, what happens with Xbox, what happens with PlayStation, for me, is a very good way, is the fact that you can have a primary account on one, and the other, like, you are, I am Tyro, okay? Zim is the other person, okay? I put my, like, my home console my home quest on the zim quest and he puts like his account on mine so Mm -hmm. we can both use both of the games every time like steam account sharing that that's how it works with steam that's how it works with xbox that's how it works with playstation the cool thing about with playstation xbox is that you can actually play the same games at the same time instead of Z- right. uh, with Steam, you can't. Yeah, you're you're neutered. It's, you know what it is? It's the digital equivalent of giving someone a house key. It's like saying, "I trust this person. Here's here's you know the access to mm. my account." And mm. I think that's kind of fair because it's almost self-limiting. I would I would imagine again, I don't have any numbers or statistics on this, but I would imagine that the span of that spiraling out of control isn't great. It's probably a very, very small problem for the platform owners. The problem here is if they create that guest account, what I would call in technical space, like a functional ID, just a ghost, you know, that's not attributed to any individual, no thumbprint on it. They've just created a backdoor to their whole platform and the whole point where they're tying people down to an account. Because it's like, well, I could just have a primary account with, with, you know, and set up 10 quests that way and then have 10 real users or, you know, 10 other people using those devices without any tracking, without any kind of traceability. They've limited it, so only, only, th- only three yeah, devices usually... in the future, they, they, they're suggesting. But they additional. also suggested that that could widen, that they could go to mm, more devices more. than three. Yeah. If, if it, you know. So I think it's, it's, it's another one of those things like, I, I, we all want it, right? The gamers want it because they want the flexibility to do with their device that they purchased and the games that they purchased, what they will. I think it's I think it's good karma, so to speak, that these companies allow the software licensing part to get that flexibility. My concern is that the spreadsheet for understanding all of this stuff is yeah. widening. Like we yeah. have cross buy and cross play and 
And, you know, like we're, we're just focused right now on like the Oculus platform for, for these, these parameters. That's just one of multiple platforms. I mean, mm. again, if you're new to the environment, you come in on this. This is, this is getting even more complicated, which is why I look forward to the day. And that's probably a year from now that this whole problem has been harmonized, streamlined and kind of gone mm. away. The only piece of it that I, I can't see an answer to through tokenization, through kind of a simple pass of, okay, here's here's 100% of my Facebook profile and linkage. And even if I was able to, like you're able to grant, you know, on the web access to a Facebook or a Google or something account, you can just say, okay, they'll see my email address and they'll see, you know, small bits and pieces like a handshake. If you could do that on the device, is that an answer? Again, not really, because the traceability factor is going to be there. They're going to be able to tell, for example, it's you. And someone might not feel like if they're just, you know, over your house for a moment, uh, T, that they're going to want to log into your device, like you said. So mm. I don't see an answer to that problem. And I suspect that we won't. I think I think well, for me, like the, we bi- have the biggest... We have an answer already with every gaming company. You know? mm. Well, like, like just a guess. There's account. already an answer. Like they work. Yeah, mm. like, a, well, like an Xbox works and they're doing it from like Xbox Live in 2006. When was it? Uh, like a PlayStation, same thing. They're doing it with PlayStation Plus. Steam is doing it since forever. Like they already have examples. The problem they are creating for me, a problem on the problem because they want to gather data because it's Facebook. So how do I like uh, what do I do with this, with that, with that? And, and so they are creating more problems because they have their stuff on the other side you know because this is not but an xbox I, account i, I think this that is the a problem Facebook account that is you. yeah I, I think that is exactly the problem with it because what what limits someone from creating a guest account and then playing only on that guest account because they don't want to be they don't want it to be associated with their facebook account because that fa- that guest account will still be associated with your facebook account right exactly so yeah, but that's, Facebook that's doesn't really their have problem. Control. It's not your problem. Yeah, I know, but that, that's yeah. that's their problem, and it's that's a solution that they're be, providing uh, a, a by not providing a guest account. Accounts. Maybe that that would work. That would be a solution. Yeah. But, but I also, think, like, a, sorry, on on Xbox, there's like a, you know uh, my game tag is Tyre Wood. If I have a guest, is Tyre Wood one, and then you have Tyre Wood two. If I have two guests, Tyre Wood three. Oh, yeah. So like yeah. you are traceable to like Tyre Wood, you know, like so. Mm. Sorry. But then yeah, your online behavior. A... No, no, that does help because I wasn't thinking about the kind of um, additional guests, like having a shadow account tied to yours. But it doesn't. It, again, it do, if you think about the kind of nexus of data that they're capturing on you, even if you only give them, um, even if you were only to link them back to your Facebook account for that handshake to say, okay, now I can use Tyrell's headset, they're still going to be able to tell it's it's Zim. Because they're going to know my height. They're going to know how I behave. And within, I think it was 20 seconds, uh, the Facebook Reality Labs, I think, was sent, were saying, they can define it, you as a person, as, a, as on that fingerprint. And that traceability is something that I think will make some people nervous. And they again, I wouldn't necessarily want to leave that lingering on your device, Tyrell. So it'll prevent me from wanting to use it. Interesting. It's a really interesting problem. Because yeah. if you look at it from like a Facebook perspective, you understand, and most of us don't want that, but... They want this traceability. We probably don't. We, we're just like, just let me play with the thing. What's the answer going to be? I, I I can't think of an I can't mm. think of a, a a logical solution to this problem. So I think yeah, I think the biggest said issue. Someone in the chat, like, what if is your? Sorry. Um, go, 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 go ahead. I was, I was going to say for me, for me, for me, 
the biggest issue uh, for me is like it is just like family members that have got children that are under the age of 13 that can't create a Facebook account. I think that's the biggest problem that poses for family members that want to use a system like this. Uh, because obviously you have to be 13, but you know that's that's the rules right now. Um, you know, obviously it could change in the future. It could mold. What is the uh, minimum age user though, for a VR headset? The minimum age for the VR headset now? 13, be 13 still, I think. Yeah, yeah, 13. Yeah. The the trouble. So people have asked this question, like, why 13? So it's it, it's this child protection piece, right? Mm. And so Copa. you have legislation that below that waterline applies, and so they're they're. You know, they're scooping themselves out of having to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, staying away from that waterline. And actually, I've seen actions already since the start of the new year that I think would make and, and make me nervous. And I think other parents who would even allow on a primary account, let their kid use it. I've seen certain examples of uh, bands and bricked devices on the back of that. So it's difficult. And I think... Just like we have a problem and we've had a problem since really the dawn of the new internet it, with music licensing, which is still a problem that hasn't gone away and is still like such a pain in the in the ass. I think this is our new big pain in the ass that, that how are we going to allow kids rightly who want to play with a VR device do it? Because I think this is going to end up plaguing probably all the, the simple question is the, the simple answer is they can't. <laughs> that, that's it. Right Bottom now line. they can't. They're, they're not old enough. And that, that's that's the bottom line. It sucks, but it is what it is, you know, I think. Uh, but yeah, that is account sharing. Obviously, coming to Quest 2 uh, next month, uh, we'll be rolling out to other Quest uh, users of the original Quest in the near future. And like I said, this this is going to be probably flexible and will likely change a few times in the future. So we'll, we'll monitor it and keep you updated from there. So that is uh, multi-users and app sharing. Uh, the final bit of news this week is about a new VR headset purely designed for VR social experiences called Uni. Now, you might remember a few months back, I talked about an open source VR headset that you could 3D print, gather all the parts and build yourself. And that project was called Relativity. And that was kind of the brainchild of Max Coot. And he came up with the idea when uh, him and his friend wanted to get into VR, but they couldn't afford a headset. So they decided to build their own and then sort of make it open source for everyone else and provided instructions and in part lists online. And that project was called Relativity. Well, the same guy is now actually planning to produce a VR headset of their own uh, and sell it as a final consumer version uh, called the Uni. Now, the Uni headset is quite unique. It's going to be wireless, uh, connecting to a dedicated streaming box. So it's not going to be a PC-based headset. It's going to be standalone, but with uh, a base station that you have to connect to that is obviously connected to the internet, and that'll do all the processing in the box and send it wirelessly to the headset. Um, the headset features nine cameras, uh, seven tracking cameras and two pass-through cameras, and will also feature dual microphones. Now, they're currently working on uh, spatial audio, facial tracking, and also full body tracking, and that's kind of like their main goal, uh, because they don't want to sort of just create the hardware, they also want to create this like unique uh, social platform, uh, and hopefully that will run on other headsets as well. Hopefully it's not just tied to this Uni headset and it will bring other users on board from other platforms, fingers crossed, but we don't know for sure yet. But their ultimate goal is to build a headset and a social VR experience where you feel um, the presence of being with someone in real life. That's their kind of like mission statement, which is pretty optimistic, I have to say. Um, they're in very early stages right now. 
They're even uh, recruiting. Uh, they're looking for low-level software engineers, electrical <laughs> engineers, industrial designers, artists to help them build this kind of vision of an online metaverse. So if you've got any of those skill sets and you're looking for a job, uh, go and check out their website, which is uni.one. Kind of this kind of concept of, of building hardware wrapped around a single social experience is kind of similar to what we've talked about in the past with a headset called the XR Space Minova. I don't know if you guys remember that. Kind of developed by a, a former head of HTC. Um, and that was the same thing. It was like a kind of standalone headset, had this kind of single like social experience that just run on the headset natively, but there wasn't really any other games or apps. So what do you kind of think of this, a headset that's kind of moving away from gaming and is really kind of built just around social? Um, I think it's going to, the thing is going to have a hard couple of years before it's going to be any good. Mm. I, I, and I think what's the price point going to be? You know, like entry price point on a social VR headset that's standalone, like... Yeah. It's going to be... It it depends on the social experience, right? Like how how social is it going to be and how next level... The thing is, if it's interesting enough, then I think people will like invest in it and... But it needs to offer something new to the table. And right at this moment, I I don't really know if the market is there for that. Hmm. I yeah. find that it's a it's more like a, a marketing thing because at the end of the day you're not gonna stop people play like Steam VR games on it. It's just you know like you decide to put a focus on your your your, your headset has to be more towards social, so you build everything to be more towards social. But that doesn't mean that you're not gonna be able to play Steam VR games and stuff. So if it if it's at the end of the day a good headset. Is going to be good no matter what. Even if their software is not going to be good, they're still going to be useful. But I think the issue with this is that, same with the uh, XR Space Minova, is that they don't ship with any controllers. It's just purely based on hand tracking, which kind of limits the experience that you could have with anything connected to a Steam then. So I think I think the concept is interesting. I don't know whether or not it will be a success or not. I think from what we've seen from the XR Space Minova, it was kind of like, mm, we're not quite sure. We'll have to see when we actually try it. But I think it's an easier sell to the general public, maybe wider out there, that this just allows you to remotely connect with your friends and family in a virtual space. And it's kind of like yeah. a an easier thing to explain, maybe, than this is like a gaming headset you have to install, like VR chat, you have to set up accounts, blah, 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 blah. Maybe that might be something that works in their favor. But again, it's untested waters, so exactly. we don't really know. Exactly. Like the the where this is going, I like the concept. I think we said that before as well so mm-hmm. you're starting off with a focused device we don't have many focused vr devices right now with a focused vr device after a couple of iterations you'll end up in a position where uh target the american audience with this comment you could pick this up in a walmart you know and it would cost you a couple hundred bucks and it would be just as you as you were suggesting mike super slick right put it on You've already got your account or whatever. Maybe it's, it connects to your mobile or something if it's easier for input. But that's it. You know, the no controllers position is an advantage in that situation. We've seen that already with Quest where certain applications are just, they just work, right? Mm. And so if the hand tracking is even half decent, um, if the social platform has any merit whatsoever and is stable, is easy to get into and has something something that's a unique selling point, 
then all you need is a pair of friends or a pair of family members to, you know, take that as a benefit. I think the things they're going to have to saw down real fast. These are obviously enthusiasts who are building it. Really obvious from their 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 setup video, from their past, and they've had success and they're moving forward. And I, I think they should be congratulated for that. Um, if they're if they're going to continue to drive down this space, I think the number one thing they got to look out for is getting bought up. I honestly mm -hmm. think that. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to, if they start to see success over the next kind of two to three years with so this concept being a solely focused, targeted market headset, I think I think their biggest um, issue is the bigger fish in the sea who are going to want to say, oh, I'll just go eat that up and that'll become one of my products. And it so, also like opens up the possibility for like, you know, like some different kind of like pricing models for these kind of headsets. Instead of like buying a headset like this for like the, the full price from the get go, maybe it would be more interesting to get like, for example, like a, a two year contract to use the yeah. platform and then you pay like, for example, five dollars every month. For the for the two years that's to come, idea, actually. with, with that really kind of idea. pricing oh model, God. you can you can get a lot of people in. <laughs> you know what? And you have I, oh, I would love that round time. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, I, I, so, I'm so, not so, a big fan of those kind of pricing that, models, though. but uh, yeah, that some are already doing that. Mm -hmm. um, the subscription like, model? Yeah, uh, like there are like a telephone company that are doing it. Oh, they're selling headsets bundled with smartphones. Right. Yes. That's a bit different. Like, I think that the, what right. Rowdy's saying is like bun bundling the social experience and the headset yeah. together and selling it mm -hmm. as a monthly subscription. I think it's a smart business model, actually. Yeah. Maybe it's something they'll consider, but it's still very early days for them, of course. But they must have got funding because obviously they're recruiting mm -hmm. quite heavily. So they've they've got investment, uh, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how this plays out again. I, very early days. This is probably the only time I will say this about a subscription model. But if I was them, I would come out the gates with no like full like pay pay the full price for the headset. I would I would launch only subscription mm -hmm. pricing on that headset. Probably two or three bands of that, but that's it. Maybe yeah. even just a single unified band. You know, here's your price, ten or a month. You get your gear. Um, if you if you want out of it, then you end up having to you know pay it pay the rest of it off. Yeah, uh, just like you would on a mobile contract. Yeah, right? But if if you don't pay, you can't use it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they just so shut you, you don't off. Own it? It, yeah, they yeah, just shut you off or something. Because the thing is, if they've got if they've got investor money that they're they're running off anyway, they could probably foot the the bill for the hardware up front, get it to users, get the platform active and 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 working. Would definitely be an interesting business model for sure. Something we've not seen really before. Yeah, um, I think D1, would, I think it would work. I, I think it's much smaller than that though. Right now, the project. Right. This project yeah. is smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're just starting out. Um, D1 360 VR says a uh, sort of compares it to Decker Gear VR. Obviously, we've talked about Decker Gear in the past, which is also kind of like a social-focused headset, but it does look like that headset will have more versatility, like it's aimed to be connected to Steam VR and like integrate mm -hmm. with like VR chat with the, the face tracking features and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a bit in, a bit different, like the Exospace Manova, like I mentioned. Uh, but again, like, you know, an interesting concept, and I'm glad that people are trying something a bit different, unique. So it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. And we'll obviously keep you updated on this one in the future. Um, so that is the uh, Uni uh, social VR headset uh, from uh, Max Ku and the team over there who did the Relativity Project. So now let's uh, talk about CES, because uh, obviously that was like the big thing going on. That's what had Tyriel glued to his, uh, his PC over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's obviously been a very different CES, like we explained at the beginning, because, you know, it's completely online. Um, but despite that, there was a lot of interesting VR tech announced at the show uh, by various companies. Although, like we said in the beginning, a lot of it wasn't really 
ready for release. Um, so we didn't see any like hardware release announcements. It was just kind of like concepts or stuff that companies are working on right now. But it's, it is still great to see that so many companies are investing in both VR and AR and creating interesting and new products. Um, so what we decided to do is because there's so many products uh, that were kind of uh, released or sorry announced at CES, we've decided to kind of like pick one each that we thought was kind of interesting and stood out from the show. Uh, and like I said, Tyriel has kind of been tracking CES uh, in detail. He produced two excellent YouTube videos going into like super detail on a lot of the tech that was announced. So definitely go and check out those videos if you want to learn more. And uh, we've added a, a link to his channel in the description down below. Um, and also, obviously, obviously, feel free to share your picks from the show in the comments as well, and we can read some of those out. Um, but maybe we should start with Tyriel, uh, being the man of CES. Um, what was kind of like your... Your overall pick, something that kind of really stood out from you uh, from CES this year? Uh, well, there were many, uh, but uh, I uh, many stuff uh, like the Panasonic goggles were very interesting. Uh, it's something yeah. that um, there were like very small <laughs> VR goggles. Uh, but British. I said that I was uh, going to talk about something else. So sure. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what really interests me uh, of this CS was a serial. Um, there's no cereal. Uh, <laughs> you don't need breakfast that. Breakfast cereal. And, uh, yes. Love breakfast cereal. Um, that stuff's great. It's very interesting company. Uh, is working on new headsets, AR and VR headsets. Uh, they come out with this two, uh, two starting project that are actually headsets that uh, you can already use, but you know we weren't able to try them because um, virtual CS, um, but the, the inter interesting thing here is they're using a light field technology. That is something that we heard many times, uh, but we never actually had something tangible to use it. Um, like um, AR and VR working a lot on light field technology. And what's the particular thing on light field technology is that you're not seeing a screen through just lenses like we do right now, where you have a like just a plain um, focus part, uh, but you're gonna see the light exactly like you will see the light in reality. So you will see the different part of focus and uh, infinite planes of focus, um, and like a, like in the camera. Let me see if I can show it. Now I'm gonna mess up everything I know. Uh, but if I change the ring of the focus, as you can see, like I can decide where to focus my camera on. You can see the background or you can go to my face like that. Mm -hmm. If you are listening to the podcast, you're not seeing it, but I'm changing the focus of my camera. So, <laughs> um, so that is the thing. Right now with VR, you can't do it. Uh, everything is on focus all the time. That creates eye strain. That creates... Uh, problems because uh, it's it's kind of hard to focus on something particular because everything else is going to be still on focus even if you don't look just at something. So uh, this new technology really try is trying to solve this thing, um, and uh, it's awesome because if you want a more realistic way uh, to get in VR and a realistic way to look at your virtual environment and things, mm -hmm. uh, that's the solution. Now, the, uh, the limit of it is the FOV. Right now, we have right. just uh, 60 degrees of FOV, so it's very limited. And uh, so they have the, their AR headset that has just 60 degrees of FOV. That we saw worst. The first HoloLens was 40 degrees. 
So it was really like a, to look through like a, uh, like a postcard. Like a window, <laughs> yeah. But, so but like, it, it, the, yeah. Does both uh, the HoloLens and Magic Leap currently use light field technology right now? Um, no, no, they right. don't. Um, like a Magic Leap has just two sides, uh, two planes of focus. So you have the the close focus and a farther focus. So right. there's nothing in between. Or you focus on something very close to your eyes, or you can focus on something uh, further away. Um, mm -hmm. HoloLens instead uses a different technology that is waveguides that is kind of similar, uh, but it, it like a, it uses like a it's not really a prism, but a kind of a same thing to actually divide the light and then readjust <laughs> it in front of you. So mm -hmm. you have a very similar result, uh, but this one uh, it. Is like a it interacts in different way for the light, uh, so it's the only one giving like an infinite plane of uh, focus right now. Mm. And, uh, and if you remember is... from um, from uh, Oculus Connect Six, the latest one, the last one that we attended in person, they were mm -hmm. talking about uh, Oculus is working on creating different technology to have different plane of focus, um, and they're actually using. Uh, polarization of the lenses, stack six lenses at the same time, changing yeah. the polarization in each one to arrive at, at, at a total of 34 uh, focus plane, plane of focus. Uh, that is already something very good, but it's not the same thing as infinite. When you turn a, the focus on a camera, you have infinite positions, you know? Analog Your eyes control. has infinite position. Uh, you have 32, probably you're never going to realize that they are not infinite because there are many more than just one that we have right now. And we're already immersed in VR with just one. Uh, but yeah. It's kind of like, like refresh rate, right? You know, you have that like scale and you go, the closer you go to like that maximum, the less likely that you'll see a difference. Exactly. Right? Yes. And I remember actually the, uh, when you made a, on the podcast, you explained oh, yeah, it yeah. very well. It was super cool. Um, so watch it again if you didn't see it, the Dr. Rowdy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's very focal. And uh, it's crazy that Oculus is working on uh, something like that for infinite plane of sight. And the, the scale of the thing was massive, like massive. It was an entire table with a refraction of lenses and stuff to create an infinite plane. And uh, these guys, as Serial, they did something in a VR headset. Like, it's a little bigger than a regular VR headset, but it's a VR headset. Now, it's just 60 degrees on the AR part, uh, one and the 40 degrees on the VR headset. But the interesting thing is they're doing the same thing that Vario is doing. So mm. they're stacking two different displays. So you have the, right. the display on the back that is the regular VR display, with the resolution of like 4040 by 1600 that we all know that you know uh we're used to use those kind of resolution and in in those 40 degrees in the middle you actually have the light field technology screen that is just uh, uh with a resolution of a thousand by a thousand i i mm -hmm. believe uh that covers just 40 degrees of that so your the image will be very crisp and at the same time you're gonna have the possibility to focus on the object that you have in front of you so uh, they're trying to put everything together. Um, so it's super interesting. I, will, I was super uh, 
I, I just realized that I talked a lot very nerdy no, stuff. That's like the, no, that's fine. That's cool. Minutes, so. <laughs> no, that's fine. Because but, like I, I think it's a very complicated um it's a very complicated subject to describe because like I looked into myself and it, it goes way above my head. And the, the kind of closest thing that I can link it to is kind of like the very focal displays of like the half dome prototype that Oculus showed. But the problem with that was that it had a me mechanical uh, shift right in the headset, which then adds weight and bulk and makes it bigger. Whereas this looks a lot sleeker and more streamlined, right? But you just have the, the yes, trade off yes. with, with field of view. Yes, yes. Right now, yes. I, uh, I don't want to sponsor anything, but I actually... Uh, because I studied a lot of this stuff, and I made a video in the past about like uh, the the old Oculus, like uh, how they progress in uh, technology to get to the screens today, and what you're gonna see in the future with the very focal and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that uh, I made a video in that video I talk about the Aftome and the technology there, how they went to the very focal without actually moving the lenses mm -hmm. uh, because they already have that. Uh, but then there's like this big table to see the refraction uh, in uh, to create like light field technology and stuff. So mm -hmm. like um, I kind of studied everything because there, there was an amazing um, presentation from a, an, an Oculus engineer uh, about all this technology and stuff. So mm -hmm. I tried to compress in 12, 10 minutes. Uh, sure. So, you know, but I think I ultimately video so I can start to forget this stuff. But ultimately, it's super interesting. It's like technology yeah. that is amazing. So um, this this will allow us to to look uh, in a VR display similar to the way our eyes work naturally, right? So you know we can adjust yes. our focus. Uh, it, it will, on it will solve that a part of that problem. Or, yeah. Yes. Because because with eyes you have like indeed like because like what what Tyrell highlighted very well is like they call it like the convergence problem, where you have an accommodance indeed. Uh, so you have like the way that light light hits your eyes. Uh, that's the way that we see basically is by light hitting hitting our eyeballs. Um, but that light comes from different sources. Actually, a reflection that we see. We always see reflections of light, uh, and we get closer to that kind of technology by having you know, that, that light field kind of technology or by having those very focal planes because you have different planes of focus, uh, which means that you will have different um, points where the light will be reflected from or in, in the case of a screen will be shown from, which solves that problem. Yeah, yeah because right now, like your eyes are like, you know, when you when you focus on something close, your eyes do like this, mm -hmm. okay? In, in VR, if you're focusing on something close, they don't do that because mm -hmm. they the distance of display is fixed, right? So there, that's uh, the paradox of like convergence and accommodance that you have to have both together. Right now, mm. uh, VR just have accommodance and not mm. convergence. The light field technology, as a, as a Rawdy was saying, will be able to have both, and so to solve this problem. Yeah, that's, so it's in actually ultra layman's terms, it's just going to look really, really cool. <laughs> but like, there, this is a problem that I ran across uh, early on. Like when I was playing a lot of uh, driving games in my DK2 and stuff, I found my eyes would uh, naturally relax to a position. It was really, it was really bizarre, um, and I found it was affecting me even on the on the road, where my eyes had gotten accustomed to kind of just relaxing to a certain focal. Mm. Um, I'll call it like. It's kind of like a resting point, right? And it was the equivalent of like four or five car lengths out when I was in real driving terms. And I'd noticed that the car right in front of me or the car two lengths in front of me 
would go all that just that hair blurry and it was like what's going on because this hadn't happened before and it was because i was doing hundreds of hours in euro truck simulator and assetto and things like that and it was just getting a, my eyes were getting accustomed to that but this will be the first time after actually, six seven years actually, when they make what, a change what that is likely is probably a weakening of the of the uh, muscles that pull on the lenses in order to get that new focus is that because it's not shifting focus enough? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that that's also why a lot of people start wearing glasses because they're always looking at a computer screen uh, because yeah. those eyes, basically, they don't get tired, they just get lazy because those muscles that you do in order to focus at different points of view, they're not constantly pulling and they get lazy. So the other yeah. question I have for Tyrael then is that does this rely on uh, eye tracking technology or is this just... No. It's just, a, it's just magic. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's fine. the interesting part because, like, it doesn't rely on eye tracking to like understand. Because if you're uh, like, uh, when you're gonna see something from Oculus, if we see the very focal with a different polarization, that would be, mm -hmm. probably rely on eye tracking because right. it needs mm -hmm. to understand where you're looking at. With the light field technology, it's like imagine it's exactly like looking at the real world. That that's what they're accomplishing. So like, you're not gonna need it. And, and um, the thing that is hard to transmit, why is so important? Because you say like, oh, but I already have a good experience with my Quest 2 right now, right? Like nobody complains and stuff. Because mm -hmm. it's not really, as Rowdy was saying, it's not really about like, uh, just seeing for like an hour or two hours, you're completely fine. But if we are moving toward the future, when we're going to be able and we're going to need maybe to stay in VR for longer sessions each day to work in VR or stuff, with this technology that we have right now, we're going to go blind like <laughs> in 10 years, okay? So like, uh, so it, it's, it's something that we are, like Lightfield is the future of the screen technology because it's the only way to represent things exactly like they are in reality. So it's something cool. that you don't know that you want, but you actually want. Yeah. And, so this and, and is like a, a whole new generation of like VR yes. heads, the future of VR headsets, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and do you know why there is a limitation of field of view? What is what is causing that limitation? Is it just the price of the display or is it another technolog technological it, I don't it's know, a, It's a space. It's about space, how mm -hmm. big you can make it also. Uh, that's why the VR one is less because they have to you know, cramp Crop more it into stuff the, inside. Yeah, okay. Yes, uh, but it's also uh, with the lenses. Uh, it's hard to display things on the lenses and cover the entire thing uh, because more you scratch it, uh, less you lose a lot of resolution. And so these light field technology screens already have a problem that the resolution is lower. So it doesn't mm. look that crisp, but it mm. looks correct. Mm. That's the thing. Um, right. Okay. So they really have to solve many different. We are at the beginning of the, this technology, but they already said that they're in three years they should arrive to have 110 degrees of FOV. Nice. So it, it's but just they have to evolve with the technology. It's just a shame that we can't attend these events to actually try them because I think trying them would be like the the proof in the pudding, right? You can talk about it all day, but when you actually try it and it all clicks together, then your mind is completely blown. Yes. Um, but of course, that was uh, C Real, right? With their light yes, field technology display. Um, you can't and again, buy it. Right. It's just prototype right now. Uh, they are starting to distribute it. It's the first version, but it's just for, again, business enterprise or who wants to work on it. And uh, then in the future, in three years, they're going to start to 
to change maybe the production, but it's, it's not for us. Okay. It's something that we're going to hear a lot from uh, all of us, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, CS, yeah, that's uh, round that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe we should pass it on to someone else. Anyone wants to take uh, the next the next step? I'll go. Sure. Okay. Why not? All right. So what I picked up, um, I've got a, I've got an affinity. There's actually two products I'm going to show. Um, one VR, one non-VR, because there's, there's something I saw on CES, and you guys have to see it. Um, be very quick on both. So the first one, as I'm a fan of what used to be uh, ThinkPad laptops, is the ThinkReality A3, which are essentially enterprise smart glasses. Uh, this is like the second one. Last last year, they actually released the A6. Why they're going backwards, I haven't been able to answer that question. <laughs> but these are meant to be a more versatile smart glass uh, than what we've seen before from them. So this is from Lenovo. They actually bought up um, uh, that part of IBM in the past who actually used to do the ThinkPad piece. And this is, um, this is tagged as ThinkReality. The cool thing about these uh, displays is they're wearable, lightweight uh, frame glasses. Look like a kind of a, a reduced version of a HoloLens. Um, and their primary focus is really to give you a virtualized desktop. So it's an AR headset essentially that you wear. It's corded, connects via USB-C, pops into your laptop, and boom, instead of one screen, you've got you know four or five screens. So that's the thing that for me, Rowdy and I have been going on about this on the podcast for quite a while as we're both people who you know sit in front of the PC and use it for work reasons, um, I would love to eventually be convinced to work in either VR or AR uh, for the day. I haven't yet come across a kind of a satisfying user experience. These are starting to approach the form factor that I would uh, appreciate. And the thing that I still can't stand about um, Microsoft Windows is that it still limits you. We were talking about this pre-podcast virtual displays versus actual displays is still a problem. You actually have to do some work, sometimes with hardware to trick it if you want, you know, extra monitors in your VR setup. So until Microsoft have sorted that problem, it looks like we've got a nice little leapfrog here from Lenovo coming out with a lightweight frame pair of AR glasses. Now, when this is available, I don't know, but there is the availability. Lenovo give you the option to sign up for Let Me Know on their website. So go look out for the Think Reality A3 if you want to hear about them. That said, uh, these are targeted at enterprise. I'm not expecting them to be cheap or consumer targeted. This is something more for the workforce. Um, but again, I think it's a it's another good seed that we're going to see turn into a, a beautiful blossomed bush at some stage. How much would you pay for it? I'd pay a couple hundred. Um, you know, if it was two, three, four hundred and was actually convincing, I'd, I'd pay four hundred for it. Four hundred pounds, that is. So five hundred dollars. If it I think could completely if... replace my my workstation and my workflow, uh, I'd easily pay double that. I'll pay up to eight hundred to a thousand oh, right. uh, for yeah, yeah, yeah. for for getting something like that. If it can, but then it needs to be you know proper and good. You know, yeah. I don't want something that I go like, oh, <laughs> like I'm just gonna go back to the PC. Yeah, if you can, if you can read documents, emails, um, messages, all that kind of thing, in good clarity, let's say Quest Two level clarity, um, and you can work. the The premise of this thing is you can work anywhere. You could just like take your laptop to the bedroom, sit down there, work on a plane, you know, with the displays like surrounding you. That's really awesome. So I'd love to see that. The other thing is because it's an AR headset, it would need to have enough field of view that you could at least see. 
one or multiple displays. I mean, you're gonna have to turn your head. That's gonna be necessary, right? You can't just like look to the side and expect to see it because the limited FOV in an AR headset, mm. but uh, I wouldn't want it to be cropping down whatever I was looking at mm. to, you know, 50% or 75%. I wouldn't touch the thing then. So it's gotta be convincing. Well, probably it's covering the entire, I, I, I expect that at least you can see the entire monitor in front of you. Because yeah. that will, it would be weird if you can just see a section. That oh, that would be horrible as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can just kind of like see. Show, like... I mean, the audio listeners don't mention this. Um, they didn't mention. They wouldn't know this because they didn't see the trailer. But they are showing like five different heads-up displays with this headset connected to a single display laptop. So unless you're getting one display turned into multiple then I'm kind of not interested. But then you have to have some level, this is what I don't understand is, how does the operating system deal with that? Mm. Are you like taking, for example, you got Microsoft Word open, Microsoft Excel open. Can you then pin them to these virtual displays, but on your native desktop, they don't even show up? There I'm must pretty, be some software I'm that does sure that interpolation. You can move, like because it's an AR headset and has actually proper tracking and stuff, it's not just to have like, you're not just gonna have monitors in front of you, but you're going to be able to track the environment and put monitors in the different environment. Like so minority report level, you're exactly. saying. And that's yeah. what they so, demonstrate in one of their videos as well. So, yeah. you know, you can, you have the, your monitor in front, you, you want to have the second and third screen on the left and the right, you can have it, you want to have it on top, you can have it, you want to have it behind, you can have it. Uh, I think because they're collaborating with Microsoft, probably there's something with Windows Mixed Reality going on. You know, at the end, if you think about it, HoloLens, Windows Mixed Reality already do this stuff. Yeah, you can put like your monitor in there. The only difference is like you're not in the in the lighthouse. No, not lighthouse. The cliff house, uh, oh, but God. you are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you are like in, in your actual house. But yeah. you know, the software there kind of work for what you have to do, maybe. Uh, yeah. So I expect that to use me. that. Uh, I have to say that I tried uh, this kind of glasses, um, mm. similar, without tracking though, uh, with 4K displays, and I was like super impressed because the resolution was actually enough to be able to work on them. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem with the one I had, that there were the God views and stuff uh, that they sent over, is the fact that the, the focus was too close, so it was mm. really like a having my smartphone at this distance. So <laughs> my eyes were crossing the entire time and that wasn't good, but the resolution was like absolutely perfect. It was actually higher than the resolution of my real screen. Wow. So yeah. I really wanted to use them, but I couldn't for long sessions. And if these can get to a, uh, to that point, I think the resolution there is lower though. I think there are 1080p displays, mm. but if you, if it works, uh, I, like, I mean, I'm willing to pay, yes, seven, 800, because if you consider it, like, instead of buying four monitors, they will cost that amount of money. You buy one thing and you, it's even portable. Well, we know that Apple are going to launch their own, right? And it's going to be double that, you know? Yes. And I think that's when AR will be revolutionized, when they can condense it into like a product that people are actually going to feel is a fashionable item to wear as well as being a functional tool. <laughs> you know, I think that's that's the key. Um, Me and Rowdy, we disagree. Yeah. When, when that will happen, first, I don't know. then believe. 
that was <laughs> like, Lenovo AR glasses, right? Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on one other thing that I saw in CS, which, which will be really short and simple. But um, having watched that film Spree, the thing that caught my eye was this new flying Cadillac. So GM, General Motors, uh, mm. showed off one of their, what's called an eVTOL, so electri electri electrical vertical takeoff and landing system, or air taxi. So what this is is, and having just seen the film Spree that we mentioned earlier that talks about rideshare services like Uber, is, um, you know, for a single passenger, something that looks like one of those drones, but it just, it's designed to carry you. So where today there's like a street bike solution and you go and hop on a bike and you rent it and you go from A to B. In the future, General Motors hopes to bring this concept to reality for an air taxi, where you literally, you hop in it and just like your favorite episode of Black Mirror, it'll take you from A to B and hopefully not vehicular homicide you on the way. Yeah, anyway, I was, I was like... thinking just about that. Like, you know, what if your battery dies like mid-flight or something? Oh, they show it <laughs> going over drones. skyscrapers and stuff? And I thought, that's freaking nuts. You'd never pay oh me God. to do that. It but... reminds me of like Total Recall, you know, when he gets into the yeah. cab. Oh my God. Yeah, it's a bit of a scary concept. But again, having just watched Spree, which is about a rideshare guy who goes on a killing spree, killing his passengers you know, jumping in with an automated robot seems a little bit like a warm welcome. Uh, so anyway, I just thought I'd tease that in there for anyone who didn't catch CES themselves. Nice. Um, so my pick uh, this year was like an AI modular robot uh, developed by a French company uh, called Pollen Robotics. And this is a product called Ricci. It kind of reminded me of like when we talked to Zim about that Chernobyl experience that he did where he like remotely controlled a robot that was kind of like moving around and he could like control its little arms and stuff. Uh, and also kind of links in with what I've been messing around with with Shadow PC, you know, like remote remote control, remote control access. Uh, and basically the idea is that you've got this cute looking robot called Ricci who could be uh, remotely controlled with a VR headset. So as the, the robot has two eyes for cameras, you can look through them using a VR headset in stereo uh, 3D in real time and then control the arms using VR motion controllers, offering you this kind of like telepresence experience. Kind of got me thinking, you know, like if the world continues the way it's going, I might just need one of these just to get my groceries <laughs> from the shop. But I do think it's kind of got some interesting use cases like, you know, um, remote presence and, and this kind of technology is going to obviously evolve over time. But, you know, if you think about it, like in, in e even like a basic use cases like uh, care t caring for elderly, for example, like if you could have, you know, a carer that's remotely logging into carer robots that are located in elderly people's homes, they could look after them, do do sort of tasks and stuff like that. It's kind of like an interesting concept. And I'm sure the the use cases are endless. But that was the kind of thing that kind of stood out for me. It looked a bit like um, the Jetsons or something like that. You know, like we're, we're living in this future that we're controlling robots with VR headsets. Um, so that was kind of the thing that kind of popped out in my mind. I, I, it it looks like this another start of another um <laughs> like another black mirror black episode, mirror episode yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you have these care robots just smothering patients or whatever because <laughs> they got a bad directive or or i mean the name by itself i'm sorry i have to go down the adult rabbit hole here but Richie is not a great name no. i mean immediately i'm asking the robot hey can you give me a quick reach around there buddy i mean it's just like i don't know especially Reach's because a, the hands are specifically made for that right zim <laughs> It's a great pick, though, Mike. I love that you picked this one. It's like so. It's kind of adorable in its own way. I mean, if you if you if you combine this with like Boston Robotics, those dogs and stuff. Oh man! Like yeah. holy cow! You could be kicking ass. You know what I mean? Because this guy looks like pretty. 
He's like a little he's like a little French sailor or something. But you know those things those things are killing machines. So. There's actually a movie with Bruce Willis. Uh, it was like the word of replicants, something like that. Uh, mm. The it's actually about this stuff. Like so, humans they don't go around anymore because it's too dangerous. But every person has their own real avatar, his own robot that it looks exactly like they want. Was it uh, called surrogates? So, Surrogates, yes, sorry, yes, uh, yes. And uh, yeah. they go around, so like, uh, you know, if you die in a car accident, you actually don't die, but you just buy a new one. Uh, and uh, like people are all in their beds in the house and uh, and everyone has his own like a real avatar in the real world and is controlled by, uh, with VR. It's, it's kind of <laughs> like, like how we're living now, except with the robots. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, might actually be, this might actually be inevitable. Like the, our future might be this way, unfortunately. It doesn't sound that bad anymore. Yeah, the, the kind of story that you're selling is kind of like you know an improvement of the situation that we I have could go now. to a nightclub. Like, yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. I missed that. Isn't this what we were joking? We were saying that we were going to attend, you know, the next year's um, Oculus Connect by, equivalent, by like all, all robots. robots. Yeah. That with might Ricci. actually be true next year. <laughs> with Richie. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like there's just like tens of thousands of them, and then they just give like the attendees logins for them all. That would be epic. At least that would solve oh, partly man. the problem. Um, yeah, but go yeah, on then, Rowdy. What, yeah. what was your pick? What was your pick from CES? Yeah, it, this it year? actually is. It's, it's nice that you picked something out of like the telerobotics kind of field because uh, I, I actually wasn't the same thing. Because the only thing that this robot is kind of missing uh, for telerobotics, at least, is uh, you know fine motor control. Especially if you say like, oh, you know, taking care of the elderly and that kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff is still requires a lot of like fine uh, hand control. So the thing that I actually uh, picked was the sense gloves. Um, mm. I think I, I have a feeling that we already talked about this one time, uh, but that was the older model where like Zim was like That's freaked right. out that they were like, you know, flip back because the oh, older yeah. model has those kind of tendons uh, that are on there. So the, the older model had, um, I mean, it was more mainly aimed for like telerobotics and haptics research, but they also had like kind of like a corporate and a software development use case. Um, but they were, of course, not for really like a consumer kind of level. Um, they did have quite a lot of like... Uh, power uh, these gloves because they went up to 40 newtons uh, and the main goal of that was to give digital objects like a real hand presence and these new ones uh, they call they're called the sense glove nova uh, so they have 20 newtons which is still like qu quite a bit um, and they also are aimed to like give digital objects like real hand presence. So they show in the video, for example, that they have like this little ball that they like, squish, and you get actually force feedback that gives you the the idea of like that you're that you're holding something. And uh, if you think about that, as you know, Facebook has already said that a couple of times that like your hands are the ultimate controllers. Like ultimately, what we want to go to is get rid of these kind of controllers and actually use like virtual controls. If you pick up a sword that it feels in your hand like you're, you're holding a sword or if you pick up a gun that it feels like you're holding a gun or if you reach for a door or like whatever. Now, I don't think these gloves are there yet uh, because I think the, the the original model, because they really had like, you know, I think they had six different uh, vibration actuators would let you experience like collisions and, and, and button clicks and different kind of textures even. And they would also be that on the correct locations in your hand. So whether it be in your fingertips or in the palm of your hand. So they had that, you know, that really like a lot of degrees of freedom as well for the motion tracking, uh, I believe 20, 24 degrees for the, for, the, for the previous model. Well, this one is a little bit more aimed at, um, I would say like VR training, 
so they have a single uh, embedded voice uh, coral actuator um, that also allows you know, the feeling of re realistic button clicks and impact simulations, uh, which is mainly crucial, they say, for like virtual reality training with different kinds of tools and different kinds of, of dashboards. And they also offer so sensor-based finger tracking, both with computer vision, hand tracking algorithms. Um, and they specifically know, um, uh, say that they are uh, partnering up with Piconeo or that they have like, you know, the Piconeo as an example. Um, where you don't need any other external tracking devices. So the device will just work on its own, completely wireless, together with the Pico Neo. And they also mentioned that more headsets will follow soon. Mm. Well, mm. The chat's asking now, when's it compatible with Quest? Looks like a, a, a souped-up power glove. I am way more comfortable with this form factor than the previous the one, which looked one? like it was out of saw or something. <laughs> this is much better. Oh, like the material's got the Dexmo there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, that's the one I've tried. Um, yeah, and so many people you, asked. You, you you tried this, right? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, you made a video about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the, the idea is similar, but they use instead uh, like um, little strings to pull that's your right. fingers. Could, yeah. could, could you yeah. pretend like it's grabbing your face right now and you have no control over it? But that's that's like the the biggest comment on my video was that like how is it gonna like stop from like bending your fingers back and breaking them but they physically can't go back yeah, that the, far. The, this is the They're restricted. They can yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. That was not oh. the case on the alpha model. The alpha model could have gone haywire. <laughs> the finger breaker. That's what the they. Finger uh, breaker. Yeah, the internal absolutely. code name. Uh, but yeah, like, are you playing around with Dexmo at the moment? You're gonna make a video on those, Terrell? Uh, I have them for a while. I still have to. <laughs> To, to try them. I just put them on sometimes just because they feel cool. They, they, they look and feel they awesome look, when you wear them. They look incredible. Uh, yeah. But I, I didn't try them uh, yet with the software. Yeah. So yeah. I, I need to do it and then I will make a video about it, of course. But yeah, I still have to to try them. They're the awesome. The video I want to see is I want, I want you to go in like a, a white lab coat down to your local supermarket, right? And just be picking fruit and putting it into a basket, wearing GoPros and stuff so that we can catch people's reactions. Because I think people would look at you like, the feck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be so cool. Because it even makes a sound. Can you get that close to your mic? Yeah. <laughs> you can hear the motors whirring yeah. when you move it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So wait, it, does it does it carry a battery or something? Is it yeah. battery charged? It's got a battery built into it. Battery built into it, okay. Yeah, and it, it lights exactly. up a really cool blue color as well when you turn it on. It's really, really small. <laughs> I really love mine. I had to send them back though. They're very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the idea is similar. Uh, and uh, I love like uh, all these companies doing it. Uh, SenseClove yeah. is like around $5,000. I, I don't know the exact prices of them. Uh, I know that the, the original one is like definitely not a consumer product, but I do have the feeling that with this, that they're aiming to go more in like a, a consumer model, something that is a little bit more affordable and cost effective. Um, I don't know what the exact price was. I didn't, I didn't look that up. I just thought they looked mm. cool. And I do think that there's a big future uh, in virtual reality, specifically for haptics. I, I do hope that, you know, like uh, in, 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 the, in the coming years that we see more of these kind of devices and hopefully something coming from like a bigger company like Facebook or, or, or Google or Apple or whatever it is uh, to see more mm. of these kind of uh, uh, devices being developed to interact mm. with a digital or, or an augmented reality. It's yeah. a, I, I actually talk with them about uh, the gloves because if you notice in the sense glove, you don't have the pinky. You don't have mm -hmm. any uh, 
like, oh, with, just with the four fingers yeah. are covered. Uh, so I asked why, and they said that with the DK1, uh, they they were doing tests and stuff, and they noticed that nobody ever used or noticed the pinky even when it was disabled. They were actually disabling and enable it, and uh, nobody ever realized that there was feedback on it. So, they so what said, you're saying like, is oh, I can just cut this off right now and I will never notice it for the rest of my life? It's an interesting yeah, theory. Exactly, exactly. I, you I don't try. You should try I, I, now. I don't believe lie. that. But <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's an engineer when, explaining these kind of things when they haven't implemented it. Uh, but no, they say like when you grab something, uh, there is more like to stabilize the the pinky. Yeah. It doesn't mm -hmm. really use force on it. So they were saying nobody ever realized that uh, it was off. And so they, it was easier to make it with just four fingers. I thought you were going to tell me that the whole dev team like broke all their pinky fingers off using their original <laughs> prototype. Like in Assassin's Creed, you know, like they, yeah. they, in the first one, they, they cut the, the finger to a What if you want to like order a beer? Out? Like that you can't do that with the sense gloves in, in virtuality. No. Like. Yeah, you can't. Call me. Yeah. So they're um, our top picks from CES 2021. Uh, like I say, they're all kind of prototype technologies. Nothing's really coming consumer ready just yet. Uh, we did also see Panasonic. I just want to give them a quick mention as they've used, uh, you know, they, they've got these kind of VR goggle glasses that they showed also at CES last year. Uh, again, they're not really any closer, I don't think, to a consumer uh, sort of launch date or anything like that. They haven't announced anything like that. They've just sort of um, released some specs of the headset itself. Also, we don't really know anything about controllers right now, do we, Tyrell, um, with the Panasonic? No, no, no. don't know anything. So we don't really know if it's going to be compatible with Steam VR or if it's going to be like you know just a viewer. We don't really know just yet, but it looks cool nevertheless. Punk specs. They, yeah, they right. added. They added this time like the APD adjustment. They added uh, the integrated audio and they added uh, the um, cameras for the tracking. That is most important right. thing. Uh, but yeah, there's still no nothing about controllers. They're, they're more controllers. considered viewers though. Yeah, than, I. I, I than, uh, I saw that on there. Proper on there, VR headset, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, that, like um, 70, 70 degrees of FOV. So. Yeah, yeah. Again, like, yeah, I think it looks awesome. I love the the form factor, but it's just whether these will be, um, you know, good enough for a, a consumer product that you would want to play games with. I'm I'm not so sure just yet, but again, we'll keep I, you updated on that. I mean, for clarity, though, they use micro OLED, so they would be amazing. Is it like twenty six hundred by twenty six hundred by twenty six hundred or something like that? Yes. And yeah. micro OLED, so it's actually like there's no space. Like the pixel, every pixel is one mi micro, micron, 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 yeah. micron. micron. Yeah. Every they, pixel one micron. So really there's no look, much distance between them, you know. They look like something that um, you would use, you know, like in the past. If you ever went to a museum, you had the option to do like an audio tape tour. I think that that would be a perfect application for those glasses. In other words, they're not too involved with your face. They're easy on, uh, and they could be just attached to a booth or something. I don't mean you'd be wandering necessarily around as, i.e., they'd be untethered, although at some stage in the future. But even if there was a booth where you're like, oh, I could get immersed into this experience, mm. put I, I, them I on. I give you the solution. Plane flight. When you're on the plane, instead yeah. of using oh, the little screen, that's it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, first class, you get some nice VR goggles. Oh, well, I, be... hopefully they're going to bring it also to economy. <laughs> I don't know you, but... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was uh that was forever. ces anyway so let, maybe we should get on to uh releases um because we've got some interesting stuff coming next week 
I'm excited about one of these games in particular, mm. even though I do have some issues with it. I'm excited with it nevertheless. Mm, interesting. Well, I've um, I've actually so after a little chat, we've said we'd uh, reduce things down. So I've actually only got two highlights. It might not be something that I've covered, Mike. If I haven't, I'll <gasps> let you talk about it. Okay. So we'll see. Um, so I've got one that just launched. We talked about this at the start. Uh, this is by a studio, or I should say, a producer, Atlas V who I um, absolutely adore. They did Gloomy Eyes, Ayahuasca, the kind of VR drug trip, and Spheres, which is an amazing thing if you want to see what a black hole looks like in VR. Um, so this this title is called Battle Scar. Punk was invented by girls. Um, that's a pretty nifty, catchy title. This is a quest title. And for $5 or $4.49 in pounds, uh, you can try out this basically 30-minute three-part animated VR film series. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Uh, as I said, I haven't finished it yet. I think Mike dipped into this one as well. And as shown at Sundance and Tribeca, this uh, VR film series is all about punk and grungy, this grungy world uh, that they're presented in. I absolutely love the fact that this chops and changes dramatically. Everything from the fonts, the characters, the sizes, uh, they really play with scale. Right out the right out the bats, you know, it's f this, f that. It's like it's a very um, mature kind of experience, and at the same time, the two characters you get to love them like right out the gates. I think it's a really excellent little that looks great. experience. Yeah. yeah, from a from a VR animation stance, I think they're they're even more impressive than things like Gloomy Eyes because they tend to play with scale in this, and I thought the characterization was a lot stronger. So I didn't feel so much like I was outside the story. I kind of felt inside the story and there are parts in this as it's playing in front of you well whilst short it's short and sweet and i love short and sweet stuff especially when it's only a five or in so uh those are my top level uh thoughts about it there's basically two characters in the game they go about uh setting a band and this is set in the 70s so if you're a fan of uh animation in vr or punk music at all this is a badass title and again that's called battle scar mike what were your thoughts on this having played it yeah, really enjoyed it. Like it's just like you say, a, a short story that you you know you're passive. You're not you don't get involved in it in any way. Uh, but they do mess around with scale, and each uh, chapter is delivered in a different and unique and interesting way. Uh, they really mix things up and they try some experimental stuff, which is really really cool to see in these kind of like immersive short stories. So if this is kind of your bag, you'll definitely get something out of it for sure. Yeah, and I think they in their website, I don't know if you saw that as well, they've got a website that's battlescarfilm.com. That's battlescarfilm.com. Um, as is as are most kind of artsy websites, incredibly well done. You can find out more about it, see if it's really your thing before you go paying money to Do you to know how it. long it is? About 30 minutes. Yeah, Mike, about 30 did you, did minutes. The whole thing? Yeah, yeah, 10 minutes per chapter. 10 minutes a segment. Yeah, yeah. it's really bite-sized. I, I think you wouldn't naturally take a break. I think you'd probably just blast through it you all just in one go. Yeah. And the nice thing is you don't have to play each segment. They just auto-roll into each other. Oh, nice. I like when these studios do that. So well done, Atlas V. Another hit out of the park, in my opinion. Uh, next one up, uh, if you want if <laughs> if you wanted to garrot an old um, an old Italian woman, well then hey, this is your thing. Uh, Hitman Three is finally coming out on the twentieth of January. PSVR owners with loads of money are going to be able to afford this one because it's sixty dollars fifty five pounds. Um, on the last episode, we spoke at length about Hitman. It's gamepad only support. It's not going to support the move controllers. Uh, the fact that it's on aging PSVR hardware. Um, but if you're wanting a go at another classic IP in VR, 
uh, and you've got cash to burn, then this is for you. So get your uh, piano wiring, uh, those poor, poor AI people. But when the AI uprising comes, man, you're going to have hell to pay after after slaughtering one after the other. So this is uh, this is uh, another um, fantastic title. It's from IO Interactive. And uh, 20th of Jan is when that lands on PlayStation. I, I don't think that 60 is too much, though. You don't I mean, think that 60 is too much? It's a yeah. full game. It's 60 on every platform. And yeah. you also have access to the first one and the second one in VR as well. So, Which, but they're not included. Yeah, so there's a clarification point there I was going to mention. Have them, though. Yes. You so you either you have to be you have to already own Hitman one and two, uh, in which case in this new engine you get the, them redone in the in the new version, or you you have the option to buy them as DLC in the yeah. game. And I don't have the prices for that. I don't okay. know if anyone else does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what the total package price is going to be. If you're buying the like. Um, Ex- 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 expensive edition I'll call it the extended edition of the game with extra features and stuff uh, it's about 75 pounds I think it's about 80 dollars so um, it's not cheap just for Hitman 3 so I think you're probably going to be pushing past 100 bucks if you get um, all three of them I, I, hey, I think like that it, I realize right I don't think that the lot? pricing model is off it's just because um, I guess that we approach this as a VR game but uh, like this is not really like I would say like a VR game in a in in a way per se. Um, so I think that's maybe something to keep in mind. VR is kind of like a little bit more like slapped onto it. Yeah. Right. Also, we've got got a question from Hussein X who asks: sure. uh, Is Hitman Three on the Epic Store VR compatible? And unfortunately, not. The VR compatibility is just for PSVR, and also that's that's like a backwards compatibility on PS Five and obviously native compatibility with PSVR on PS4 and PS4 Pro. So if you're interested in buying it on uh, for PSVR, don't buy the PS5 version, buy the PS4 version because that's compatible with VR and also you get an upgrade for free to the enhanced PS5 this, version. That's just to make it easy. Yeah. Just to make it super crystal clear for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's super a, simple. But it's so weird for from the from the traders that the gameplay also for mm. last week, it really looks like it using motion controllers. Yeah. I still yeah. don't understand because like mm. you're not a, in the game. There's not animations like on tapping on the shoulder. So is it like a surprise that we're going to have that we can use motion controllers? No, no so I, there's I, tracking. There's tracking of the DS4. The light on the front of the DS4 is tracked. So you have that kind of minimal movement. Very few games on PSVR have featured that i think static is probably the best example that comes in mind it did yeah it did i remember trying it i remember trying i think doom vfr Maybe you can use as well like two dual shocks at the same time like <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do i do think some of these animations will be scripted i don't think yeah um yeah it'll but be like, yeah. one-to-one controller movements it's so weird because it actually looks like someone is playing with motion controllers in yeah. the it I looks know, very yeah. cinematic and i think yeah. that's why you know, making uh, content out of this game in, in VR might be quite fun. And that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still just dubious of whether this motion controller support, you know, will ever come or whether it will just be always tied to this controller, which means that it won't be ported to PC or other platforms. It's just a, it's such a shame that it's not coming to PC because, uh, you know, you have a new game with great graphics and... Uh, yeah. PSVR is like the screen, like, come on, it's too old. And uh, not being able to use it with like a proper VR headset is just a a shame. 
That's the thing that I, I'm, I'm disappointed in the modding community. Like, why why can't we have somebody who's made an interpreter or something that, that will display from the PlayStation 4 or 5 into another device? You know what like I mean? Like, I just PlayStation want a more... PlayStation Now VR? Is that what you want? Well, <laughs> see, the thing is, there, there there is a... I can't remember the name of it now. There's a Steam VR... There's the opposite. So you can yes, use the PSVR yes, headset. IV, IVR is called. IV, yeah, yeah. IV, it's IV. horrible. Um, I really didn't like it. But there is something that allows you to use the PC, PC VR games with the, with the uh, PlayStation VR headset. It's not nice. But I'd love it if in the, in the other way you could give yourself a kind of a... Even for a comfort upgrade or whatever. I mean... PSVR, they, they as, should we, just, as we said, they should just old. release it natively on PC is what they should do instead of us having to hack it yes. around to wicked it work. And they, they, will, should just, though, I th- we'll they should just we'll implement see. motion well, controls. But the thing is, we, we, never arrived. yeah, I was going to say we've wanted this before and it never happened. So I'm not even going to try and get people's hopes up and, and, and maybe hope that this might happen. I'm just going to yeah. say it's unlikely. And if it does, then I'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be, I'm anyway, going to be playing on Wednesday. Anyway, if you're a fan Wednesday. of Blood and Truth, you got another action yeah. title hitting on PSVR. Yeah. I do have um, two other things just to mention. I wanted to take my hat off for a moment to the name of a VR Steam bundle that I thought was absolutely mwah, just beautiful, which is Onwards into Super Hot Sunshine, which is a three-way pack, of course, of Onward, Super Hot, and Arizona Sunshine. So you can get those together. Um, it's not a, it's not a great deal, but. If you like guns, tac- tactical animations, slow-mo cinematics, and zombies, then buy those three games because all three of them are worth playing. If you if you haven't seen them before, not a great deal, but I like the title, so let's see. <laughs> this is exactly it. I just you know it's very seldom that you get uh, someone putting any kind of effort into these bundle names, so I had to give it to them. Again, that was onwards into super hot sunshine available on Steam VR. Another little um another little PC VR tip. Uh, so a while back, this is going back months, if not years, uh, we learned that Tetris Effect would have an update that would come called Connected, which would bring multiplayer. This is really neat, and this shocked me. Uh, apparently this has been available for, I think, about a month and a half now. A good friend of mine has tried this out. Um, but via Game Pass, you can get Tetris Effect Connected. And Steam VR picks it up. So you can play multiplayer... Tetris Effect with Tetris Effect connected via Game Pass using a Steam VR headset. Hmm. Tetris Effect, for those of you who might not it's know amazing. what it is, is not just standard old Tetris. Imagine you were playing Tetris in like a 1990s nightclub, uh, absolutely surrounded with wonderful music, and now friends or enemies from the internet playing Tetris together with Tetris Effect connected. That's Game Pass and Steam VR. How, how you do you connect that name? it to Steam VR? So it will recognize it. it. Actually, if you have the game on Game Pass, it will it will pick up through uh, your Steam VR connected headset. So and you'll be able you to open play Steam VR and then you open uh, Tetris. I think it's the other way around. I think you launch uh, Steam. Uh, sorry, you launch the uh, the Game Pass edition of of uh, Tetris Effect, and then it will recognize your Steam VR connected headset in that way. 
Tyrael's cool. gonna try this now live. It looks I, like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> he's gonna, like, I'm gonna go see if this I'm works. gonna go do it. <laughs> that was like nice such and, a pro tip. That's really nice cool. Little trick so, though. Yeah, I definitely. thought that was really neat because like we're not getting that another way. I, I I want that to come to let's say the quest build, but mm. um, we'll have to wait and see if it actually ends up. Because right now is an exclusive for Xbox for a period that's, for a, like a year, so that's why probably. Installing. Yeah, exactly. So it's limited for the moment. So hey, if you got Game Pass, or Thanks if you don't have Game Pass, go try their trial out. What's up? Let's see. Thanks. He's, he's, right he's doing it right here live <laughs> for us on the podcast. All right. That name of that other title, by the way, if you uh, wanted to go and look it up, if you're a quest owner, was Battle Scar. Punk was invented by girls. And of course, hit, look out for Hitman launching in a couple of days. Yeah, we'll be talking about our thoughts on that next week, uh, without doubt. I've got it pre-ordered, so uh, it's going to uh, arrive on Wednesday, and no doubt I'll do a video on it this week as well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so let's wrap up the show then. Apologies for my microphone uh, audio. Again, something out of my control. It's not on the local recording, so at least the audio version will be okay if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, but just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR, and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube uh, and on Twitch. The show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Spotify. If you've enjoyed the show, Hit the like button and subscribe for all my for all our future uh, podcasts. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks again to Tyrell for joining us and standing in for Nathy this week, who's currently on holiday. Thanks so much for so always. Uh, thanks so much for having me. A pleasure to hang out with you and talk uh, VR and stuff with you. And it's a shame that we didn't That's get to do that right. in real life this year. But you know, fingers crossed for the future. If not, we can just do it via a tele telepresence robot instead. <laughs> <laughs> We're reaching. <laughs> 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 so yeah thank you very much for joining us take wow. care and we'll see you on next week's show so bye bye for now see you later